Section 11 of Four and Twenty Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Veronica Cerny. Young and Handsome by the Countess de Marat. Translated by James Planchet. Once on a time, there was a potent fairy who endeavored to resist the power of love but the little god was more potent than the fairy. He touched her heart without even employing all his power. A handsome knight arrived at the court of the fairy in search of adventures. He was amiable, the son of a king, and had acquired renown by a thousand noble achievements. His worth was known to the fairy. Fame had wafted the report of it even into her dominions. The person of the young prince corresponded so entirely with his high reputations that the fairy, moved by so many charms, accepted in a very short time the proposals which the handsome knight made to her. The fairy was beautiful, and he was sincerely in love with her. She married him, and by that marriage made him the richest and most powerful king in the world. They lived a long time most happily together after their union. The fairy grew old, and the king, her husband, although he kept pace with her in years, ceased to love her as soon as her beauty had departed. He attached himself to some young beauties of his court, and the fairy was tormented by a jealousy which proved fatal to several of her rivals. She had had but one daughter by her marriage with the handsome knight. She was the object of all her tenderness, and was worthy of the affection lavished on her. The fairies, who were her relations, had endowed her from her birth with the finest intelligence, the sweetest beauty, and with graces still more charming than beauty. Her dancing surpassed anything that had ever been seen, and her voice subdued all hearts. Her form was perfect symmetry. Without being too tall, her appearance was noble. Her hair was of the most beautiful black in the world. Her mouth, small and exquisitely formed, her teeth of surprising whiteness, her lovely eyes were black, sparkling, and expressive, and never did glances so piercing and yet so tender awaken love in the bosoms of all beholders. The fairy had named her young and handsome. She had not as yet endowed her herself. She had postponed that favor in order to judge the better in process of time by what sort of benefit she could ensure the happiness of a child that was so dear to her. The king's inconstancies were an eternal source of affliction to the fairy. The misfortune of ceasing to be loved induced her to believe that the most desirable of blessings was to be always lovely, and this, after a thousand reflections, was the gift she bestowed on young and handsome. She was then just sixteen, and the fairy employed all her science in the formation of a spell which should enable the princess to remain forever exactly as she appeared at that moment. What greater benefit could she bestow on young and handsome than the happiness of never ceasing to be like herself? The fairy lost the king, her husband, and although he had been long unfaithful to her, his death caused her such deep sorrow that she resolved to abandon her empire, and to retire to a castle which she had built in a country quite a desert, and surrounded by so vast a forest, that the fairy alone could find her way through it. This resolution sadly afflicted young and handsome. She wished not to quit her mother, but the fairy peremptorily commanded her to remain, and before she returned to her wilderness, she assembled 
in the most beautiful palace in the world all the pleasures and sports she had long banished, and composed from them a court for young and handsome, who in this agreeable company gradually consoled herself for the absence of the fairy. All the kings and princes who considered themselves worthy of her, and in those days people flattered themselves much less than they do now, came in crowds to the court of young and handsome, and endeavored by their attentions and their professions to win the heart of so lovely a princess. Never had anything equal the magnificence and amusements of the palace of young and handsome. Each day was distinguished by some new entertainment. Everybody composing it was happy, except her lovers, who adored her without hope. She looked with favor upon none, but they saw her daily, and her most indifferent glances were sufficiently attractive to detain them there for ever. One day young and handsome, content with the prosperity and popularity of her reign, wandered into a pleasant wood, followed only by some of her nymphs, the better to enjoy the charm of solitude. Absorbed by agreeable reflections—what could she think of that would not be agreeable? She emerged from the wood unconsciously, and walked towards a charming meadow enameled with thousands of flowers. Her beautiful eyes were occupied in contemplating a hundred various and pleasing objects, when they lighted in turn on a flock of sheep, which was quietly feeding in the meadow on the bank of a little brook that murmured sweetly as it rippled over the pebbles in its path. It was overshadowed by a tuft of trees. A young shepherd, stretched on the grass beside the rivulet, was calmly sleeping. His crook was leaning against a tree and a pretty dog, which appeared to be more of a favorite of its master than the guardian of his flock, lay close to the shepherd. Young and handsome approached the brook, and cast her eyes upon the youth. What a beautiful vision! Cupid himself, sleeping in the arms of Psyche, did not display such charms. The young fairy stood gazing, and could not restrain some gestures of admiration, which were quickly succeeded by more tender emotions. The handsome shepherd appeared to be about eighteen, of a commanding form, his brown hair naturally curling, fell in wavy locks upon his shoulders, as an, and was in perfect harmony with the most charming face in the world. His eyes, closed in slumber, concealed from the fairy, beneath their lids, new fires reserved by love to redouble her passion for the shepherd. Young and handsome felt her heart agitated by an emotion to which it had hitherto been a stranger, and it was no longer in her power to stir from the spot. Fairies possess the same privilege as goddesses. They love a shepherd when he is lovable, just as if he were the greatest monarch in the universe, for all classes of mortals are equally beneath them. Young and handsome found too much pleasure in her new sensations to endeavor to combat them. She looked loved fondly, and from that moment only indulged in the happy idea of being loved in return. She did not dare to wake the handsome shepherd, for fear he should remark her agitation and pleasing herself with the notion of discovering her love for him in a gallant and agreeable manner. She rendered herself invisible to enjoy the astonishment she was about to cause him. Immediately arose a strain of enchanting music. What an exquisite symphony! It went straight to the heart. The delicious sound awoke Alidor, such was the name of the handsome shepherd, who for some moments imagined he was in an agreeable dream. But what was his surprise when, on rising from the grass on which he had been lying, he found himself attired in the most tasteful and magnificent fashion. The colors of his dress were yellow and gray, laced with silver. 
His wallet was embroidered all over with the initials of Young and Handsome, and suspended by a band of flowers. His crook was of the most marvellous worksmanship, ornamented with precious stones of different colours, set in elegant devices. His hat was composed entirely of jonquils and blue hyacinths, most ingeniously woven together. Delighted and astonished at his new attire, he gazed at himself reflected in the neighbouring stream. Young and handsome, meanwhile, feared an hundred times for him the fate of the beautiful Narcissus. The wonder of Alidor was still further increased at seeing his sheep covered with silk whiter than snow, in lieu of their ordinary fleeces, and adorned with a thousand knots of ribbons of various colours. His favourite ewe was more decorated than any of the others. She came skipping over the grass to him, appearing proud of her ornaments. The shepherd's pretty dog had a golden collar, on which bands of small emeralds formed these four lines. Alas, how many fears and doubts alarmed the maiden, who on love her hopes would rest. A look, a word, her youthful heart may charm, but constancy alone can make it blessed. The handsome shepherd judged by these verses that he was indebted to love for his agreeable adventure. The sun by this time had set. Alidor, absorbed in a delightful reverie, bent his steps towards his cottage. He did not observe any change in its exterior, but he had scarcely crossed the threshold when a delicious fragrance announced to him some agreeable novelty. He found the walls of his little hut hung with a tissue of jasmine and orange flowers. The curtains of his bed were of the same materials, looped up by garlands of pinks and roses. An agreeable atmosphere kept all these flowers perfectly fresh and beautiful. The floor was of porcelain, on which were represented the stories of all the goddesses who had been in love with shepherds. Alidor observed this. He was very intelligent. The shepherds of that country were not ordinary shepherds. Some of them were descended from kings or great princes, and Alidor could trace his pedigree up to a sovereign who had long sat on the throne of those realms before they became a portion of the dominions of the fairies. Up to this period the handsome shepherd had been insensible to the charms of love, but he now began to feel, even without having as yet distinguished the particular object, that his young heart burned to surrender itself a prisoner. He was dying with impatience to become acquainted with the goddess or fairy who had bestowed upon him such tasteful and beautiful proofs of her affection. He paced his chamber with a sweet anxiety which he had never before experienced. As night fell, an agreeable illumination appeared to shed a new daylight throughout the cottage. The musings of Alidor were interrupted by the sight of a rich and delicate banquet, which was served up to him by invisible hands. What? exclaimed the shepherd, smiling. Still new pleasures, and no one to partake them with me? His little dog attempted to play with him, but he was too much preoccupied to encourage his gambols. Alidor seated himself at the table. A little cupid appeared and presented him with wine in a cup made of one entire diamond. The shepherd made a tolerable supper for the hero of such adventures. He endeavored to question the little cupid. But instead of answering, the boy shot arrows at him, which, the moment they struck, became drops of exquisitely scented water. Alidor comprehended clearly by this sport that the little cupid was forbidden to explain the mystery. The table disappeared as soon as Alidor had ceased eating, and the little cupid flew away. A charming symphony stole upon the ear, awaking a thousand tender sensations in the heart of the young shepherd. 
His impatience to learn to whom he was indebted for all these pleasures increased every instant, and it was with great joy he heard a voice sing the following words. Under what form, love, wilt thou cast thy dart at the young shepherd who enthralls my heart? Once should he know he is the master there, will he, my form and face, account less fair? Of my affection he will be too sure, but that may not his love for me secure. With greater power to charm, my smiles indue, I need no aid to make me fond or true. Appear, thou charming being, exclaimed the shepherd, and by your presence crown my happiness. I believe you to be too beautiful to fear that I should ever be faithless. No answer was returned to this adjuration. The music ceased shortly afterwards. A profound silence reigned in the cottage and invited the shepherd to sweet repose. He threw himself on his bed, but it was some time before he could sleep, agitated as he was by his curiosity and his newborn passion. The song of the birds awoke him at daybreak. He quitted his cottage and led his pretty flock to the same spot where the preceding day his good fortune had commenced. Scarcely had he seated himself beside the brook when a canopy, composed of a most brilliant stuff of flame color and gold, was attached to the branches of the nearest trees to shelter Alidor from the rays of the sun. Some young shepherds and pretty shepherdesses of the neighborhood arrived at the spot. They were in search of Alidor. His canopy, his flock, and his dress excited in them great astonishment. They advanced hastily and eagerly asked him the origin of all these marvels. Alidor smiled at their surprise and recounted to them what had occurred to him. More than one shepherd felt jealous and more than one shepherdess reddened with mortification. There were few of the latter in those parts who had not had designs upon the heart of the handsome shepherd, and a goddess or a fairy appeared to them by far too dangerous a rival. Young and handsome, who rarely lost sight of her shepherd, endured with considerable impatience the conversation of the shepherdesses. Some amongst them were very charming, and one so lovely that she might be a formidable rival, even to a goddess. The indifference with which Alidor treated them all reassured the young fairy. The shepherdesses quitted Alidor reluctantly, and led their flocks further into the meadow. Shortly after they had departed, leaving only a few shepherds with Alidor, a delicious banquet appeared, set out upon a marble table. Seats of green turf arose around it, and Alidor invited his friends, the shepherds who had come to join him, to share his repast. On seating themselves at the table, they discovered that they were all attired in handsome dresses, though less magnificent than that of Alidor, which at the same moment became dazzling with jewels. The neighboring echoes were suddenly awakened by rustic but graceful music, and a voice was heard singing the following words. Of Alidor envy the pleasure supreme, he only could love to this bosom in part. Ye shepherds who beauty and worth can esteem, do honor to him as the choice of my heart. The astonishment of the shepherds increased every moment. A troop of young shepherdesses approached the banks of the rivulet. The melody of the music was not so much the attraction which led them to this spot as the desire to see Alidor. They began to dance beneath the trees, forming an agreeable little bal champetre. The young fairy, who was present all the time, but invisible, assumed in an instant with six of her nymphs the prettiest shepherdesses' dresses that had ever been seen. Their only ornaments were garlands of flowers. Their crooks were adorned with them, and young and handsome, with a simple wreath of jonquils, which produced a charming effect in her beautiful black hair, 
appeared the most enchanting person in the world. The arrival of these fair shepherdesses surprised the whole company. All the beauties of the district felt mortified. There was not a shepherd who did not eagerly exert himself to do the honors of the fete to the newcomers. Young and handsome, though unknown to them as a fairy, did not receive less respect or attract less attention. The sincerest homage is always paid to beauty. Young and handsome felt flattered by the effect of her charms, unaided by the knowledge of her dignity. As to Alidor, the instant she appeared amongst them, forgetting that the love which a goddess or a fairy bore to him bound him to avoid anything that might be displeasing to her, he flew towards young and handsome and accosting her with the most graceful air in the world. "'Come, beautiful shepherdess,' said he, "'come and occupy a place more worthy of you. So exquisite a person is too superior to all other beauties to remain mingled with them.' He offered his hand, and young and handsome, delighted with the sentiments which the sight of her had begun to awaken in the breast of her shepherd, allowed herself to be led by Alidor beneath the canopy which had been attached to the trees as soon as he had arrived at the spot that morning. A troop of young shepherds brought, by his orders, bundles of flowers and branches, and constructed with them a little throne, on which they seated young and handsome. Alidor laid himself at her feet. Her nymphs seated themselves near her, and the rest of the party formed a large circle, in which everybody took their places according to their inclinations. This spot, adorned with so much beauty, presented the most agreeable spectacle in the world. The murmur of the brook mingled with the music, and it seemed as if all the birds in the neighborhood had assembled there to take their parts in the concert. A great number of shepherds advanced in separate groups to pay their court to Young and Handsome. One amongst them, named Iphis, approaching the young fairy, said to her, However distinguished may be the place Alidor has induced you to accept, it is one, perhaps, very dangerous to occupy. I believe so, answered the fairy, with a smile that had power to captivate all hearts. The shepherdesses of this village will find it difficult to forgive me the preference which Alidor appears to have accorded to me among so many beauties more deserving of it. No, rejoined Iphis, our shepherdesses will be more just. But Alidor is beloved by a goddess. And thereupon Iphis related to Young and Handsome the adventure which had befallen the beautiful shepherd. When he had finished his story, the young fairy, turning towards Alidor with a gracious air, said to him, I do not desire to provoke so terrible an enemy as the goddess by whom you are beloved. Evidently she did not intend me to occupy this position, and therefore I resign it to her. She rose as she said these words, but Alidor, gazing fondly upon her, exclaimed, Stay, lovely shepherdess! There is no goddess whose love I would not sacrifice for the delight of adoring you, and she of whom Iphis speaks is not overwise, at least in matters of the heart, since she has permitted me to behold you. Young and handsome could not make any reply to Alidor. The shepherds at that moment came to request her to dance, and never was more grace displayed than on this occasion. Alidor was her partner, who surpassed himself. Never had the most magnificent fetes at the court of Young and Handsome afforded her so much pleasure as this rural entertainment. Love embellishes every spot in which we behold the object of our affections. Alidor felt his passion increasing every instant, and made a thousand vows to sacrifice all the goddesses and fairies in the world to the ardent love with which his shepherdess had inspired him. Young and Handsome was delighted with the evident attachment of the beautiful shepherd. 
but she wished to make a momentary trial of his affection. Iphis was amiable, and, if Alidor had not been present, would no doubt have been much admired. The young fairy spoke to him twice or thrice very graciously, and danced several times with him. Alidor burned with a jealousy as intense as his love. Young and Handsome observed it, and feeling more sure of her shepherd's heart, she ceased paining it, spoke no more to Iphis during the rest of the day, and bestowed on Alidor her most encouraging glances. Heavens, what glances! They would have filled the most insensible hearts with love. Evening having arrived, the lovely company separated with regret. A thousand sighs followed Young and Handsome, who forbade any of the shepherds to accompany her, but she promised Alidor in a few brief words that he should see her again in the meadows the next morning. She departed, followed by her nymphs, and watched by the shepherds, who were in hopes that, by following her at a distance, they might discover, without her perceiving them, the village to which these divine beings belonged. But the moment that Young and Handsome had entered a little wood which concealed her from the side of the shepherds, she rendered herself and her nymphs invisible, and they amused themselves for some time in seeing the shepherds vainly endeavouring to trace the road they had taken. Young and Handsome observed with pleasure that Alidor was amongst the most eager of the party. Iphis was in despair that he had not followed them closely enough, and several of the shepherds, who had been captivated by the nymphs, passed half of the night in hunting the woods and the neighborhood. Some authors have asserted that the nymphs, following the example of the young fairy, thought some of these shepherds more charming than all the kings they had ever seen in their lives. Young and Handsome returned to her palace, and, although a fairy, always occupied by a thousand different affairs, might absent herself without causing much surprise, she found all her lovers exceedingly uneasy at not having seen her the whole day, but not one of them ventured to reproach her for it. It was necessary to be a very submissive and respectful suitor in the palace of Young and Handsome, or she would speedily issue an order for him to quit her court. Her admirers did not even dare to speak to her of their passion. It was only by their attentions, their respect, and their constancy that they could hope eventually to touch her heart. Young and Handsome appeared little interested in what was passing around. She ate scarcely any supper, fell into frequent fits of musing, and the princes her lovers, attentive to all her actions, imagined that they had heard her sigh several times. She dismissed all the court very early and retired to her apartments. When one is looking forward to a meeting with those we love, everything that presents itself in the interim appears very poor and very troublesome. The young fairy, with the nymphs who had followed her all the day, concealed in a cloud, were transported in an instant to the hut of the handsome shepherd. He had returned to it, very much vexed at not being able to ascertain the road his divine shepherdess had taken. Everything in his cottage was as charming as when he had left it. But as in musing he cast his eyes upon the floor of his little chamber, he perceived a change in it. In lieu of paintings, from the stories of goddesses who had been in love with shepherds, he perceived the subjects were composed of terrible examples of unfortunate lovers who had proved unworthy of the affection of those divinities. "'You are right!' exclaimed the handsome shepherd, on observing these little pictures. "'You are right, goddess. I deserve your anger.' But wherefore did you permit so lovely a shepherdess to present herself to my sight? Alas, what divinity could defend a heart from the effects of such charms? Young and Handsome had arrived in the cottage when Alidor uttered these words. She felt all the tenderness of them, and her affection was redoubled by them. End of section 11